welcome to the conversation um, where every week we just sit down together and we talk about uh, matters of our faith, of our religion, of our life, uh, and what's going on there. Uh, we talk about this stuff all the time, but um, sometimes we sit down and talk about it in front of you. Um, and today we have with us uh, Kevin Cooley, um, and Kevin uh, is a, uh, a pastor. He has uh, been through the, uh, a lot of things we feel like would make uh, sense for us to talk together about, but among those, right up front, uh, is we're talking about what it's like to be a person of faith, to continue to believe and have gone through those things and yet battle with addiction. Um, that's specifically what uh, Kevin um, will be helping us talk through, but to be just battling with sin, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like because you're a pastor, you're never you have no sin, right? Mm -hmm. Never, never happens again. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, that's never, it. Never happens again. Yeah. We never have yeah. no, no, no sideways thoughts. <laughs> never, yeah, never yeah. occurs. None of, that. none of that. We never lust. Never again. I, I would say off the top, <laughs> I'm not a pastor now. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Yeah, I, I'm Understood. Uh, uh, retired for a few years now. Okay. From that. Well, like as if you can retire from yeah. that, really. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> I still preach. I yeah. still speak. Yeah. But, yeah. Stop loving people, Kevin. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. So, um, I've heard of you for quite some time. Uh, Kevin, or um, that guy. Yeah. Rick and I have been friends for years and years and years. And uh, from time to time, when he gets... Um, to thinking about people of faith, uh, people who have walked a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A blunt, a very frank, a very uh, challenged faith walk, um, including some of the physical ailments that you've dealt with uh, and going through over time, um, you come up. Uh, you're somebody that, that, that jumps to mind for him and he'll talk about uh, and so we thought, as far as the conversation is concerned, we need to get people. We need to get people to be a part of that and understand mm -hmm. that. Um, I mean, we joke around about the fact that, that pastors don't ever sin again. Um, as I said one time, I had a, a a saint of the church in his 80s look at me and say he was saved and sanctified at 18, 18 and never sinned again. Mm. And then tell us a story of a horrifying thing that had happened to him in a parking lot that day and how he'd lost his temper and said some things he shouldn't. So we need to frame that, right? We need, we need people to understand that that's not the goal, right? right. To, to not be, uh, not necessarily to be perfect in that sense, but that there is a walk that still occurs, right? So, um, I don't know, where do we jump off at, guys? Well, I, I think today it's going to be important for us to let everybody know that we're going to be talking about uh, what does it mean to be a Christian and yet still deal with addictions. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be talking specifically more about drug addiction, but addiction in the broader sense, addiction is addiction is addiction. It, it, whether you're dealing with... Um, Drug abuse, alcoholism, pornography. There's there's a a chemical thing that happens in your brain when you're dealing with a, an addiction, and it actually, as far as drugs are concerned, that that change actually happens in your brain to where um, it it makes you it calls at you constantly. Okay. 
And the other part of, about an addiction as far as drug abuse is concerned, um, and Kevin and I have talked before, dealing with an addiction uh, with uh, prescription drugs or whatever, it, it's, it's like right out of hell, man. I mean, it, it's, um, it's not uh, stretching it too far to say that dealing with an addiction like that uh, is hell on earth. I mean, it, it puts you, everything that you have had, everything that you have known up to the point of beginning uh, is taken away. And at that point, then I think that what we want to do, Kevin, is talk to you about what your story was and how your story began and, and know that uh, as people who have dealt on various levels with addiction that uh, it is indeed possible to love the Lord and cry out to the Lord uh, and yet still be dealing with the temptations of uh, whatever that addiction might be. So I'm going to let you just tell us, give us a little bit about your story and, and how, why we kind of got here today. Well, uh, I'm going to try to keep this uh, brief so we don't spend a lot of time on this, but uh, I wanted to share how it began. How does a pastor become addicted? Sure. You know, I mean, that's the... That sounds like an oxymoron, you know. It does. Mm -hmm. And um, some people think you're supposed to be above reproach. Right. Then none of that should happen. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, how it all began was uh, I was on my way to work one day. Um, I was a, a welder, and um, I wrecked my car. I uh, flipped it end over end um, into a ditch that was about 10, 15 foot drop. Mm. I flipped it into that and uh, rolled it, and um, that began a string of migraines that, that has never stopped. Um, uh, the migraines are just off the chart, and it just seemed like uh, each month and each year they just they progressed, you know. And I started on medication with my doctor that was a pretty lame medication non-addictive, you know, and, yeah. and doing the going to neurologists and the whole thing. Um, uh, me and my wife were laughing on the way here. We passed a neurologist's office and I said, <laughs> that was the first guy I ever seen. Do you remember him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she, she's like, yeah, I, I remember that's where it began. So I, I, uh, I did all the typical uh, traditional meds. None of that worked. He started me on Nubain, uh, which is a, a, a nar narcotic that's given to pregnant women in labor. Mm. Okay. Um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty light, um, but it does mask the pain some. And um, I don't think I want to get into arguing whether it's it is addiction of disease or is it a choice or or whatever. But I can tell you this: that for me, when I did Nubain. Uh, for the first time, something clicked in me. Okay. And for the first time in my life, I don't mean to try to overstate this, but for the first time, I felt normal. Okay. Well, I, I really felt like uh, I could be in the crowd. I could, I could be, I could, you know, share my heart, and I could be normal, and I could be, you know, 
and all of these, I just felt different. So when you say for the first time in your life, you mean the first time since the accident or for the first time in your life? First time in my life. Wow. Yeah. First time in my life when I when I did that drug. And Nikki Six, the bass player from Motley Crue, he'll tell you the same thing. First time he did heroin, he felt normal. Mm -hmm. He okay. felt like he clicked with everybody else. Okay. You know? And he could be accepted and he could be loved and he could be all these things. It masks everything okay. in you that's going on. So to get on with it, I started on New Bane. Uh, after a while, um, uh, I got to a point where New Bane wasn't working. Uh, then they put me on morphine and Demerol and Thorazine. And you mm. can't, you now can't, we're walking up. Yeah, hey. you cannot name a narcotic I wasn't on. Okay. And so I, I went on all of those, and uh, then uh, on down the road, I, I got to where I was used to them, and they weren't working. And so finally, he put me on a drug that I had never heard of. Um, I, I didn't know what it would do. I didn't know anybody that was on it. The nurse told me, she said, Kevin, um, all I can tell you is uh, this is what we give people who are dying. Mm. And uh, mm. so we don't have to worry about their addiction factor. So she said, you need, to, you need to be careful with it, you know. And I'm thinking the whole time, I can handle this. By then, I was full-blown addiction anyways. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're so, basically going in a hospice drug. Yeah, yeah. At this yeah, point. It's a hospice drug. It was fentanyl. Oh, uh, we hear about yeah. fentanyl all day long oh, these yeah. days. Yeah. 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 And they put me on fentanyl. And uh, I didn't feel like I was normal then. I, I felt like I was in hell then. Okay. Um, Nikki Six said something, and, and I'll never forget it, because it, it spoke to right where I was at. He said, at the height of my addiction, I felt like I was at hell's door, knocking on the door, and nobody would let me in. Mm. I was stuck mm. where I was stuck. And man, that was so me once I got on fentanyl. Everything turned from feeling normal um, to feeling like that. Everybody thinks that addiction, uh, addicts, it's all about the high yeah. or, or it's all about the party. Yeah. You know, let me tell you, the party goes right out the window right away. Okay. Then it becomes, I don't want to feel detox. You know, because after, if you're not, I couldn't go but a few hours and I would start to detox mm -hmm. at the height of my addiction. Okay. So I had to have, I had to take massive amounts every day um, to, to avoid the detox. And the detox is, uh, well, I, I could try to explain it, but there's no way to explain what detox feels like. It's well, just some people, or for people who may not know, for some people they call it, it's being sick. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard people say it's kind of like having the flu, but a little worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nah. Yeah, it doesn't touch it. Doesn't touch it. <laughs> if, if, if it was kind of like having the flu, but a little bit worse, I'd yeah. still be addicted. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. There'd be no price. Yeah, you know, no, it's like pure hell. It is yeah. like pure hell. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, can, I can tell you uh, now, this is where my addiction ended, okay. Um, if you got a loving wife, thank God for mm -hmm. a loving wife. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, at the height of my addiction, I'd been on fentanyl for quite a while, and I, I got off of it. But then what I found was 
my level of addiction was so high from being on fentanyl that like I went back to Norco and started using that and I found I had to use two, three, four times the amount to match the levels of that mm -hmm. fentanyl sure. was doing. Yeah. So uh, there was one Sunday where all my scripts were coming due and I would I'd been out of my scripts for a couple, two or three days. Yeah. That means I was nail-biting, white-knuckle detox, you know. And I had a sermon to preach. And as ugly as this sounds, that's just that's just the way it was. I had a sermon to preach. I had a church to to uh, pastor, and I could, <laughs> I could call these guys and say, "Hey, I'm I'm in detox." Wait, wait. You, Life didn't stop because right, right. So I, I, I was I was leading the worship also yeah. at the church. Oh my word! So I told her, I said, um, "Go to Walmart, get my scripts filled during worship, and then you beat it back to church." And I can have uh, some of my scripts before I have to preach. Because um, I was not going to be able to do it w without uh, something in me. Yeah. So, long story short, she comes into the church and she hands me my bottles, trying to do it kind of indiscreetly, you know. And um, I, uh, I was so depressed. I was at a state I had never been, and, and, and that Sunday it was starting to dawn on me just how bad it really was. Here I am in the middle of church, and I'm doing massive amounts of narcotics. Yeah. And it started to really just, everything was mm -hmm. starting to dawn on me. So I really didn't care how many I did, and I wasn't sure what my limit was, and that's when you get, you're, you're really running the risk of overdose when you don't know what your limits are anymore, when you can't get high anymore. And so I just poured out a handful. I was doing 300 Norco a month, and I would go through those in about a week. So I had to have more constantly, you know. Yeah. And so I, I poured out a whole handful in my hand, threw them in my mouth, drank, down, drank them down with a Pepsi, and off I went, I preached, you know. Well, I got home, and for whatever reason, my wife felt like she needed to count my medicine bottle. She'd never done that, not in all the years I was using. Mm -hmm. And um, the things were at a, at a level with me and her and the addiction, she knew something was really, really, really yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. So she counted it. I did 75 Norco that morning. Oh, yeah. my. In church. Word. And then when I'd gotten home, I did approximately 20 to 25 more. Once I got home, that that like two hours later. So you had a third of your month's worth. Yeah, yeah in one day. In a few hours. In, in a couple, two, three hours. Mm -hmm. And um, here, here's the uh, thing that scared me to death. Uh, I didn't get high. I didn't get sick. And it had no effect. And I'm like, what can I do? What drug can I possibly do? that is going to mask the pain, because I, I did have serious pain, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, so what drug am I going to be able to do that's going to mask the pain that, uh, uh, you know, is better than a hundred Norco in one day, yeah. you know? And uh, so she just, she came outside. I was sitting on the porch and she came outside where she had that medicine bottle in her hand. <laughs> You know, and she was like, I don't care what you got to do. 
but whatever it is you got to do, you better do it. Yeah. And she didn't give me an ultimatum like I'm out of here if you don't get clean, but I could feel it in her heart, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, um, at least that's the way it felt to me, you know. Yeah. And that was the beginning of my getting clean. Well, I mean, for, for her, it was more like, hey, you're killing my husband. Mm -hmm. And I was... You got to stop. I was running my... You know, I was... Uh, I remember one time my, my son came home from college. And um, uh, this was about that same period of time, you know. And he... I, I was in bed the whole time he was at home with us, you know. I was mm -hmm. in bed sick. And um, so it come time for him to leave, and he wanted to come back and say goodbye to me, yeah. you know. So he did. And he, he opened the door a little bit, and he said, hey, Dad. And I could barely lift my head off the, I was so high, I could barely lift my head off the pillow. And I, I remember saying something like, yeah, uh, what, you know. And he just, he just said, I'll see you later. He shut the door, and my son, I can only remember once or twice out of all the years I've known him, that he's crying. Yeah. And he'd come out crying, and he told my wife, he said, Dad is back here in that bedroom killing himself. we got to do something, or yeah. he's going to die. Yeah. And that, was, that really lit the fire, too, in my wife. And and so so it wasn't just she's like I'm not the only one who's seeing this. Right. It, it was it was not only affecting her. It was affecting the kids. It was affecting mm -hmm. everything. And so, um, man, it was. Uh, but I, I knew that it, you know at that same point it wasn't long after that I took a recovery group to lead. I was clean when I took the recovery group, but. Um, it wasn't long after that that I took a recovery group to, to, to help lead it. And um, I, just, I just remember thinking I could no longer pastor and, and I, I have to do uh, detox first. I have to do recovery yeah. first. Yeah. And before we get into you and, and dealing with you know yourself and where you were at, both spiritually and physically. What was, you said at one time that your church was supportive of you. Did you find that with all Christians? Did I find out what? Did you find that with all Christians that they were supportive? Oh, no, no. Most, most Christians, in fact, most people in my recovery group, when I asked this as someone who was now clean, I said, I asked the question one night, can you be a Christian and be addicted? Okay. And So I'm going to ask that right now. Right. That and their thing. overriding answer, I would say 90% of addicts, you know, who are supposed to be merciful uh, yeah. towards other addicts, yeah. you know, they were like, no, you cannot. You uh -huh. can't be one. You can't be both, you yeah. know. And so I said, well, uh, we can be honest, right? Yeah. Uh, please. Okay. Yeah. That's all that we care I said, about. I, I, I challenged like them. I challenged them. I had probably half the room that night in my recovery group that were church-going folks. Yeah. They were there visiting. Yeah. You know, and so uh, they always had a mixed reaction to my recovery group. And um, I knew this group, uh, if I ever had one that would be more merciful, this group would be it. And they were. But I said, I, I brought something up that no one had ever thought of. I said, so 
okay, so you can't be a Christian and be an addict. And they're like, yeah, right. I said, well, then explain to be King David. Yeah. King David had a problem with women. Yeah. And to the point where he killed one of his best friends to have that wife. Yeah. You know? And uh, yet I read in the scripture where God says, he's a man after my own heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. God didn't, but God didn't say he's a man without sin. Yeah. He said he's a man after my own heart. You know? And, and I find it interesting when David got caught, when it all came down, and the prophet, you know, sandblasted him. And you are the man. Yeah, you're the man. David. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> you David, don't mean that the way I want you to. David's prayer to God was, don't take your spirit from me. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, save my kingdom. He didn't say, save my ministry. He didn't, you know, he didn't say, keep my riches. You know, he said, don't take your spirit from me. And uh, that was totally my heart uh, as I was uh, detoxing. I I cared that I lost the church or that I let it go. But uh, when it come to uh, what was most important to me on those, you know, yeah. weighing them out on the scales, having God's, being right with God, you know. Um, and there again, I knew I had to be clean to be right with God. I wanted to be right with God, but I, I, I didn't want to lose uh, God's anointing. I didn't want to lose mm -hmm. God's spirit. Yeah, don't take you your know, spirit from me. God's that, presence. You know? Such an awesome way of thinking of that. I never really paid attention to those words in that way. Don't take mm -hmm. your spirit from me. First, his spirit has to be with him for him to take it from him. So he had felt good presence. He had felt the presence of God with him. He mm -hmm. knew that he was there in those moments. I think for me, when I think of David as being a man after God's own heart, it's that, not that he was without sin. It was what was his reaction when Nathan called him out? Yeah. When, when Nathan tells him that story, he's all ticked off and he goes, oh, by the way, you're the dude who's doing this. What was David's reaction? And David's reaction was complete contrition. He was completely broken yeah. by... Isn't it amazing that we can walk down a path that um, is sin, but that we can we can explain it away all the way down that trail. Mm -hmm. And that we can find ourselves in a hole somewhere and go, what the heck? I mean, what? How did I get in this hole? Mm -hmm. You know how you got in that hole. You know how you got in that hole. But there's a difference between Nathan in the moment with David. Mm -hmm. Hey, boss. Yeah. This is what you've done. You know this is what you've done. There's a difference between somebody calling it out and making it plain. Rick and I talk about our lives and struggles and things we go through. And it's amazing how having somebody else look at you and go, Brother, that ain't. That's the same story you told me four weeks ago. It's the same story you told me two weeks ago. We're, we're, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. How are we changing yeah. uh, that thing? So, um, yeah. Yeah, how do we explain all these people who, I don't know, we go through an awful lot. We go mm -hmm. through, this whole book is not, there. there's there's like almost, I can't think of one, perfect person. None of them. 
Mm-hmm. None of the, particularly the heroes, mm-hmm. they're all mm-hmm. broken, mm-hmm. horribly broken people. So yeah, how can you say you can't be a Christian and not and and be addicted, right? Um, well, you know, in our recovery group, we picked a, a banner verse, and and I didn't pick it and say, "What do you guys think? Do you want to make this?" They picked it. Yeah, you know, uh, I had shared it one night uh, during uh, my opening statements, but. Uh, they they picked this verse and it was the verse that represented us. We felt like you know, and it, it was uh, Paul's words where he says, "The things I want to do, I don't, mm-hmm. and the things I mm-hmm. don't want to do, I do." You know, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a guy who raised the dead. Yeah, you know, and so you know he struggled. He he longed for uh, that place with God, but at the same time was honest enough to admit it's one thing to say yeah yeah i got sin i mean we all got sin we got sin yeah nobody wants to name it yeah nobody wants to say hey this is my sin this is what i'm in yeah this is what i'm doing you know but i'll tell you what if you're willing to do that if you're willing to do that god will find a vessel every time he can use because you're honest you're open you're transparent and uh it's it's somebody that said this was where I was at. This is how bad I needed God, and this is what God did. And to me, that's the turning point on everything that we have in our lives spiritually. Whether you're willing, David owned up to it. Like you just said, you know, when when he was confronted, I mean, he he that, there was that brokenness. Oh, he was that, broke. Yeah, yeah. There was that crushed. There was that like yes, yes, that, yeah. It's that. You're saying the same thing with Paul when he says, "I do what I do not want to." He's he's lamenting, if you want to put it. He's saying, "Hey, here's the way it is with me." It, it's the same thing with us today. It's kind of a shame that in uh, some Christian settings we feel like we've got to hide um, who we are and what we're dealing with. It's like you asked me um, before we or when we decided we were going to get together and do this. Can I be real? I mean, you, you, it, words were very specific. Can I be real? Can I get down to the nitty gritty? Absolutely, because that's where change starts. We talked about with when we were talking to Pastor Jennifer Kaufman a couple weeks ago. Um, we talked about this idea of lamentations and things that we bring out and all that. And one of the things that got said that I just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hold on to that forever is this idea that once a lament is stated, mm-hmm. now we're doing business. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with it. It gets real. If we're holding it and we and we're just grumbling inside, we're just holding it, holding it. Holding, now we're mm-hmm. not, we're not doing business yet. Mm-hmm. But when you said, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think of when I think of somebody who is dealing with addiction, and like you guys were just saying, once you that you you start through it, now we're going to deal with it. I think of um, there's a a scene in John where Jesus is coming along, and there are people sitting at, at a pool where if they if when they believe that an angel rustles the water, and if they go get in the water right quick, that they'll be healed. And there's this guy who's there, who's been there forever, and he can't stand mm-hmm. up, he can't walk, he can't deal with it. And 
And then there, he's like, um, Jesus is like, Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? And I'm like, do you want to get well? I mean, like you read a, you read a verse like 80 mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. and then you read it one more time. You're like, do what? Mm-hmm. what? Did, he, did he actually ask that question? Do you want to get well? What do you mean? Do I want to get mm-hmm. well? I might've been a smart aleck because <laughs> I'm blind. Uh, right? yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. crippled. I don't know who this dude is. What do you mean? Do I want to get well? Smart aleck, leave me alone. Mm. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's, that's the beginning of healing for this yeah. guy. And I think for, Maybe for an addict, you tell me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for for an addict to step away from it, this step one is: Do you want to get well? Yeah. Because that's some hard work you got yeah. coming. Yeah. Well, it, it all came it all came together for me at a perfect time. You talk about God's hand. You know, my wife having enough; she was done with it. Me seeing my son cry. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. Uh, and all, it all came together like a perfect storm. And uh, I was already sick to death of it. So yeah, I wanted to get well. I was at a place where I wanted to get well. And these were just tools God was using, my wife, my son, and other circumstances to even push it more, you know? And, and yeah, I, I, I could have answered that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and so immediately you were not addicted anymore. Yeah, you you want to you want to get well, but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way, does it? No. So, yeah. so tell us about your journey back and, and your faith journey. Well, uh, along yeah, with that, I actually was dumb enough to believe that if I survived a week without the drugs, that I'd be okay. Oh, okay. You know, um, I thought that the detox would be over by then, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Um, I couldn't afford a rehab, so I had to just detox at home, mm. you know, and... Which is, not only is it hard, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't have any medication to help uh, a lot of addicts get um, antidepressants and whatnot, you know, when they're in a rehab and they get medical help to... to well, I didn't have any of that. So it was two weeks of just what I call white knuckle uh, detox. You don't sleep at night, none. You don't You don't eat. Um, I lost count one day. I was counting how many times I uh, threw up. And it was around 10 times. But I was, at, at the end of that, it was nothing but dry heaves, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, your body is just going, your brain becomes tricked into thinking that it produces that high, that it produces okay. all that, okay. you know. And so when it's not getting the drug anymore, then it, it throws you into this hyper-warp speed and it's trying to trigger the high because it thinks it does that, you know. And so uh, that's where the detox comes in. And so it's, I can't explain uh, detox. There's just uh, uh, I, I just I, I I do remember telling God when I laid down the first day um, in my bedroom. Um, I laid down in bed and I had no idea what to expect. I just uh, I knew it was going to be a ride, and uh, I just told God. I said, uh, "Here I am, and here I lay, mm. and if I die, I die." Um, but if I get out of this bed, 
I'm going to get out of it healed. Um, and that's it. I'm done. And um, uh, I mean, uh, I didn't read the Bible any. Uh, <laughs> you can't read when you're in detox. But uh, uh, I did pray. I prayed a lot. You know, and that's all I did do was just I prayed uh, old God prayers. I'm just oh God, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Two word. Yeah. Cries. Yeah. And uh, I mean, who do you call when you're a pastor and you're addicted? Who do you call for prayer? You know, I didn't know anybody that I could call. So it was me and my wife and uh, my children, um, you know. Um, but uh, so the, I did two weeks of really, really hard detox. I'm going to stop you for a second because you said something that's got to be called out. Who do you call when you're a pastor? And you're dealing with brokenness. There, you, there was nobody down. Isn't that horrifying? Yeah. Isn't that horrifying? Mm -hmm. And the reason why? Why? You, I know what I think. What do you think, Kevin? Why? I didn't want... I Well, to be just bloody honest, number one, I didn't want me people seeing me in that light. Yeah. Okay? I didn't want them seeing me as uh, Pastor Cooley, the addict. You know, yeah. um, I didn't want that. But number two, I had heard enough uh, from Christians yep. concerning addiction. Yep. I knew they'd never understand uh, yep. uh, where I was at. Yep. There was, unless they had been through the detox themselves, they would never get yep. where I'm at. They would quote a verse for me. You sure. Know? Yeah. And, right. and uh, you know, uh, throw that out there and, you know. Ah, God is faithful. Oh, and don't forget the, the prayer meeting Wednesday night, brother. We'd love to see you there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're at home dying, you know. Yeah. So, in uh, fairness to them, th that's what they've been taught. That's what right. they know, right? They're, and they're trying. They don't know. Right. They got nothing for how to but, deal with it. You, you know what? I'll tell you what. We say, you know, like, we want revival in church. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, here's the price of the ticket. Right here, you know, it's going to take the church actually being real. Yep. You know, and then because yeah, <laughs> oh man, my mom got me fired up this week. Uh, <laughs> she had some Christians come over and visit her, right? Yeah. And they started a new church, and um, they knew she was going to a church. No, mom and dad. Well established. Why are church. you fishing in someone else's pond? Why are you coming over and 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 uh, inviting my mom and dad to church? You know, and I, I said, Mom, just stop right there. She's gonna kill me when she sees this on film. <laughs> uh, I said, Mom, just stop. You know, I, I, I said, Why? Why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, why are we inviting? Uh, established Christians in a church, why aren't we inviting them? How about invite somebody whose name is Ozzy? You yeah. know? Yeah. How about invite them? Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, they, so it's going to take us getting just just really, really honest. Mm -hmm. You know? I think, God, there are some Christians out there who don't have my testimony. They've lived a godly life. You know, and we they, need those. They don't have yeah, something absolutely. like this to come yep. clean on. Yep. And I thank God for that. You know, but at the same time, those same very Christians have got to learn um, 
that there are also Christians in the church that are going home broken every Sunday because they don't have anybody to turn to. They don't have anybody to confess to. Now, what would be... Yeah, and I think what we're driving at is what would be the... What do, are they scared of? What is it that someone who's addicted, someone who's... It doesn't even have to be someone who's addicted. It's, it's someone who's dealing with brokenness. You know, what are they worrying about? Um, and I think some of what we deal with, with what we're worrying about, is persecution and being put out of the one thing that they have. That's one of the things, right? Um, the other is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? He said, I think the King James says, do you want to be healed? Sometimes being healed of addiction is scary. Mm -hmm. It's your, uh, I hate to, but everybody, everybody on the planet has seen Mr. Mom, right? So you all know the reference. It's your whoopee. You know, it's your, it's your, it's your comfort. It's mm -hmm. you run to that. Um, it's the thing that, um, when I've dealt with, when I've dealt with addictions, when I've dealt with um, so tobacco addiction, I'm not comparing, okay? But I am saying an addiction. When I've dealt with pornography, it's um, we often call it self-medicating. Mm -hmm. When I'm self-medicating, when I'm solving the problem myself, because you don't want to know about my problem, I'm going to solve it myself. Um, I'm dealing with I'm dealing with sex drive nobody else ever dealt with, so I'm going to deal with it myself. I don't want you to have to deal with this gross thing, girlfriend, wife, yeah. mom and dad, friends at church. I'm not going to tell you about this because it's gross, but I can just be over here, just be me, and you not know about that part of me, and you'll still love me. Um, I think that's a lot of, of coming out of addiction, a problem with why don't we know that people in this church are dealing with addictions that they're dealing with? Why don't we know that people in this church are dealing with brokenness that they're dealing with? And I think it's because they're they're comfortable where they're at and they're worried about they're worried about walking out of that into the ramifications. Mm -hmm. right? They won't love me anymore. They couldn't possibly love me anymore. When, golly, I wish they would know that We'd love them every bit as much and know how to help. That'll be the beginning of revival. It really will, because it, it, it would be a uh, it would be the thing that would open the doors. You know, it's one thing to say, "Come as you are." You know, it's nice. It, it makes I call it bumper sticker Christianity. Sure, it, it, it's a nice it's a nice sticker to put on on your car, but at the end of the day, can I really come as I am? Yeah, you know. And can I stay that way for a while? Maybe I'm not buying oh, yeah. into Christianity. Oh, yeah. You know? As Rick told me about my tobacco addiction at one point, he said, has God convicted you of that yet? Well, I don't know that that's necessary. Oh, you'll know. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, just keep following. Mm -hmm. Keep depending on him. Keep praying to him. Keep moving through. Yeah. I think there's another side to this same coin. Um, People who deal with addiction, I'm going to change the word from addiction to brokenness. People who deal with whatever brokenness um, don't always feel comfortable 
letting somebody else know what that brokenness is. Mm. Uh, it's scary. Oh, it's absolutely. To trust somebody with your weakness. Mm-hmm. But if and we... And Satan is... I mean, we talk about Satan. Oh, yeah. People talk about, well, Satan's not a real thing. Well, <laughs> you haven't been yeah. in the car driving along with him in the passenger seat telling you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's very real. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thought with Satan this helps. is... We have to provide, we in the church, have to provide a safe place for people to come and be real and and be okay with sharing what whatever their brokenness is or whatever their their pain is and and until we do that that, that's the aha moment for me that's that's where things change in my life when i've had to deal with things Um, the minute it's brought to light is where you can start feeling things happen differently but and until we get to there, um, we, we have to provide that. We have to just be able to give that to each other. You, the, the three of us, Kevin, I've known you for years now. Todd, you and I have known each other from way back when we were um, playing a card game together. Yeah. Um, but we, I have with both of you guys the opportunity to where I can say anything, you know, and I know that it's going to be okay. Not that the situation's okay, but whatever I say to you is going to be right. okay. And you guys know that you have that with me. That's where the other side, it's the same coin. I really believe it's the same coin. On the one side, the church has to willing be willing to be open. On the other side, the person has to be willing to be open too. Uh, Kevin, you and, you and I both know that there's been studies done in uh, during the time of Vietnam, a lot of guys were using over in Vietnam. A tremendous amount right. of guys were using in Vietnam. But they came back and there wasn't this, there was a lot of them came back and they were addicted, but there wasn't this massive addiction outbreak because they came back to real good support systems. Um, parents who loved them, wives who loved them, girlfriends who loved them, family who loved them. So they were able to get off of that 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 merry-go-round that that addiction causes it's the same way if you can do that a support system is so important with any addiction that you're dealing with Um, but we can't we we have to be the ones in the church to supply that and then again Kevin what you said is very true that's where revival begins that's where that spiritual change begins and people get reconnected to where their lives are let, back. Let, let, let me share something about brokenness. Um, brokenness is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's a gift. Absolutely. It is, it is truly a gift. I'm a musician, so I write songs. And uh, I stuck this in my notes last night. And... Uh, I didn't know. I didn't think it would really be relevant today, but it seems to be. Uh, I'm going to read a song. Okay. That I wrote. Um, it's called "The Broken." Uh, I wrote this just after coming out of my addiction, and, and I was uh, so broke over everything. Um, brokenness isn't a curse. It's a blessing in disguise. 
It's the end of your navel gazing, the start of looking to the skies. It's the answer to every prayer that you've ever prayed. An all-consuming fire equals a warrior that's made. I've led you to a place where the past counts for naught. Your trophies and your certificates burn when the fire's hot. Many will say it's the enemy. Rebuke him and he will leave. But if I spared not my son, then brokenness is yours to receive. Forged in the flame is where the high fives end. A picture of a broken life very few ever call friend. I've taken your creature comforts and offered you instead a sword of truth, a touch from God, and a warrior raised from the dead. Amen. That's what it is. Amen. If we want to be, uh, we read these stories about these, these great men of God and these uh, great women of God and, and all that they accomplished, all that they did, uh, you know, uh, none of it. I've never seen one testimony yet where there wasn't a story of brokenness. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying, you know, man. Mm -hmm. There that wasn't a story book. of brokenness in their mm -hmm. life. That whole book and the, and our heroes of the faith of inside the book and outside the book. Yeah. They they all have experienced a brokenness. They they've known. You know, you just nobody understands a good meal like a man who's been hungry. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets it like a man who's been hungry. I mean, it's a trite little story, but I remember as a, as a Boy Scout, we all went out and they took us and we were the, we were the first year scouts and all these older scouts took us, went to Brown County. We went on this 26 mile hike through Brown County. We thought we was dying. Mm. I never had a better tasting Clark bar in my whole life <laughs> than when we got back. And maybe that's maybe maybe we needed something lighter, but the, the, nobody understands being fed like somebody who's been hungry. Yeah. You just don't get it. Um, when you're David, this pretty little hero who never had any issue with his faith at all, who was just they said he was just just beautiful to look at mm -hmm. and so strong and they were not scared of nothing um, nobody understood what it was like to be broken like him mm -hmm. when he was broken he understood what he had and he understood what he wanted to get back to yeah we've kind of answered the question can you be a Christian and still be an addict it's no different than having any other issue okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you okay you answer that question. Well, that's where I was going to go. Gonna say, Kevin, I'm, I'm going to go, but you interrupted me. I interrupted you. Uh, yeah. Tell us where you're at. What tell I'm doing today? Yeah. Or well, what, where's your walk, brother? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I've given up on the walk. I mean, i got to tell you, man, it's just, you know, it's too tough. <laughs> um, no. Where's I knew, my walk? I knew, that was an interesting show. Yeah. Have a nice I, I, I knew what he was doing. Dude. <laughs> where's my walk? Um... I, uh, well, I, you know, I stepped down from being a pastor and I didn't know if I would ever do anything again, you know. Um, and part of the driving that was, uh, frankly, I didn't know if God would ever use me again. Sure. Oh, I hear you, you know? brother. 
And, and but uh, honestly, I was fine if he didn't. I just had to have. I had to have God. Yes. You know. Yeah. I almost felt like it was time to restart, reboot everything. Oh man. And Absolutely. so I, I just went back to my the beginning roots of my faith. What is it that I'm passionate about? What is it that drives me? One of the things that killed me as a pastor, and, and the church needs to hear this, I had my hand in everything. You know, I was, uh, if somebody didn't want to do it, I would do it. Building in grounds. Right. You know. Decorating. And, yeah. Every mm -hmm. Christmas you, event. Yeah. I was, all of it. I was yep. uh, trying to do it all. And, and so where am I at today? I've walked away from all of that stuff. Um, I've learned that if there's not somebody that can fill that hole uh, in the church, it's okay. Don't don't try to make somebody, you know, because mm -hmm. uh -huh. you get into trouble. Um, I uh, I did a recovery group for a while. I really really uh, enjoyed doing that, you know, um, but. Uh, finally turn that over to somebody else who I was hoping could take it further, you know, and do more with it. Um, that was another process in my life of learning, hey, you know what, there, there's actually people in this world that can do it better than you, and you need to, you need to plug these people in, man, you know. How can you move on with God if you don't plug somebody in? I, I heard a CEO tell me one time, if I don't train somebody to do my job, I can't be promoted. Yeah. Because there's nobody to replace me. Yeah. And so I, you know, we, we put somebody in there. And so what I'm doing today, uh, I'm loving uh, being the family guy. Uh, I hate to, I hate to make it sound like I don't have a ministry because I do. I still deal a lot with addicts, you know, mm -hmm. um, on the telephone. You know, some of them will come over, uh, mostly on the phone or, or that kind of thing. Um, a lot of uh, face chats or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, and just just enjoying life again, you know. And uh, uh, looking for not really looking for a ministry. That's that, that was one of the things that got me in trouble. You know, was feeling like I had to have one to begin with. You know, yeah, the, uh -huh. the quote-unquote official ministry. Yeah. You know, um, now I'm just, I'm just loving life, man. I'm loving my family. I, I, I love being a grandpa. Um, I'm not sure how my kids feel about that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I learn. You know, my grand. I noticed my granddaughter. Uh, uh, not long ago, she comes up to me to be held in a very unique way, you know, and it really spoke volumes to me on how I approach God. She walks up to me, and then she turns around, she turns her back to me, and then backs up, you know, <laughs> kind of into my knees, yeah. and she just goes, Papa, you know, she doesn't scream and cry yeah, like right. she's got to manipulate me oh. you know she doesn't demand and stomp her feet you know we got those Christians in the church just demand it and stomp your feet and you'll get it you know yeah. you'll get a spanking in my house for that you know <laughs> so 
but what she does is she trusts my love. Mm-hmm. She has faith in oh, me. That's great. That man. is that is so deep. She could turn her back to me and just go, Papa. Yeah. And she knows I'll pick her up. She knows I'll love her. And she may want off my lap immediately after that. She just wants a hug, you know? And um, Just uh, checking that you're there, Papa. Huh? Just checking that you're there, Papa. Yeah, just yeah. need to know just you got me. Making sure that you still yeah. love me. You, know? you got me. And I, uh, I'm, I'm loving that, you yeah. know? I'm eating that That's up. That's cool. So... Uh, God's just, um, he's teaching me all new stuff, you know. Um, here I am, I'm 60 years old, and I, I thought I had a, a grip on this thing called Christianity, but uh, I, I'm learning daily oh, how yeah. much I don't know, you know. Um, the older I get, the more I don't, the more I know I don't yeah. know. Yeah. The more I the more I read that book, the more I know I don't know. The more I know I want yeah. and need, right? Yeah. Right. When I think about addiction, for me, and you tell me if this makes sense. When I think about addiction, I think that in New Testament times, in, in Jesus' first century faith perspective, I think they might have called it demon possession. I think they might have called it that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that what we, I don't know that we're wrong and they're right, or they're right and we're wrong. But I think there's such a difference between some of the things we run into sin-wise and people who are addicted. Because I think there comes a point, and you, you described it, and you said Nikki Six described when he felt that breakover moment. I think there comes a point when you stop being in charge and the drug or the demon, call it what you will, <laughs> is driving now. And I think one of the toughest things for me that we do to people who are broken with addiction, people who are dealing with addiction of, of opioids, narcotics, I think there comes a breakover point where we're mad at them. And it's it's really kind of not fair. <laughs> They're they're owned by that thing. Mm-hmm. Any no different than when if if I said if I said Kevin is has been possessed by a demon, and people who believe in demons believe that, mm-hmm. they would remove a lot of the responsibility, a lot of the uh, that we put on addicted people. But when we say they're addicted, what they say is, and I know this because I have. A, a niece and a nephew who both went through addiction. I know in conversations with people, they're like, she could stop if she wanted. She did this. She did this. Mm-hmm. He did this. They did this. They mm-hmm. did this to themselves. They decided to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a little different ride because yours was prescription drugs, mm-hmm. but you know it deeply enough. I guess I'm saying, I'm asking you to confirm what I'm saying, and I don't want you to do that. I want you to say, does that make sense? Is that yeah, a, way, it, a good it, way of thinking about it? It makes sense. I mean, is an addiction a choice? It, it all comes back to that. Is it a choice or is it a disease? Right. You know, and I think for some it's a choice. I think for some, you know, the, the thing is, man, um, <laughs> here's what I learned hard. Uh, drugs uh, are not prejudice. 
They are not, they don't care uh, who you are. Rich, poor, black, white, pastor. Yeah, they don't care. In the street. They don't care how long you've been in church. <laughs> they don't, they don't care. Yeah. You know, they yeah. will, yeah. It, you, you don't have enough anointing. You don't have enough oomph from God to play with hard narcotics and get away with it. And that's why I think I think of it as a demon. I think of it that way. It, it is. It, it takes control. It is. At, at some point. And yeah. you're going to need... You're well, gonna... God, God, I think, I, I felt like for me, sometimes God was just like, you want to play with that? I'll let you play with that. You know, he, he said it in Romans 1. I gave him over to their sin. Yep. Yeah. So, you know... Uh, you want to play with that? Yeah. You want to mess with that? Party on. I'm going to watch for a while. Yeah. Doesn't mean he doesn't love me. No. You know? Doesn't, you, you know, you want just, your inheritance and you yeah, want to leave? Yeah. Here's your stuff. It, absolutely. Let me know when you're ready to come back. There's another addiction story. Yeah. Spent absolutely. every dime he had on, on gambling uh, and prostitutes. On partying, man. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I learned, I tell you, one of the big things that come out of it was um, if I had not been addicted, if I hadn't have gone through it, okay, mm -hmm. I wouldn't look at addicts the way I look at them today. Uh, I just wouldn't, you know. I wouldn't uh, uh, I wouldn't be able to love them the way I love them today, you know. I wouldn't be able to say, uh, hey, um, there's a place for you and God, you know, this, uh, this, uh, a lot of people were so afraid of being seen as a failure, being seen as a loser, yeah. being seen as you know, worthless, you know, uh, um, I, I could address those issues now. Uh, not, not from reading a book about it, you know, but from living it, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know you, I, I, I can tell you, look, I, I know what that, I know what, what it's like, man. I, you know, I, uh, I, but at the same time, I also, um, on the other end of that, I was just dealing with an addict. He didn't want to hear what it was I was saying. And uh, out of love and out of knowledge of, I've only dealt with this guy for two weeks, but I'm already at a place where I can't go any further with him. And so I just told him on the phone, I just said, hey, you know what? There's nothing else I can do for you. What do you mean there's nothing? What, you know, what are you talking? Uh, unless you are willing to do this and this and this, I cannot help you. You're on your own. You know, do you want to get well? No, no. That's what not. I'm saying, though. He, I mean, that's that Jesus question. It goes question. right back yeah. to that. Do you want to get yeah. well? Yeah. It goes right back to that. Well, when you're ready to get well, you let me know. Yep. And we're, we'll go. Yeah. But back to what you were just saying a minute ago. In that, I mean, that, that just brings to light the whole thing about what we go through. Bad, the horrible things the Lord can use. Those situations, uh, if we allow Him, can use those situations to help somebody else. Yeah. You know, I, I too, I like you guys, I'm very happy that there's those people who haven't ever gone through, you know, some yeah. of the things that they may be raised in the church, truly understood what it meant to be saved at a young age and have always been there. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's also just as wonderful the people who have been through the struggles and come through them and now the Lord's able to use those things I'm to reminded, be a blessing to somebody else. 
I'm reminded whenever I think of those moments where your struggle can help someone else. Mm-hmm. When we watch Jesus walking through his ministry over and over and over and over again, he says, sell everything you have and follow me. Okay, I don't have a place to see. You want to come live with me? I don't have a place to live, so just be aware of that. But come follow me anyway. Come do this with mm-hmm. me. There's one example that jumps out to me of the opposite, and it reminds me what Kevin is going through, and that is there's the, the, there's the demon-possessed man in the graveyard. He's out there, and he's yeah. so overrun yeah. Yeah. Um, that when Jesus says, "What is your name?" He says, "We are legion." He's mm-hmm. like, "I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just full of this, mm-hmm. just completely overrun with this." But when Jesus heals him, because everybody knows who he is, they're mm-hmm. chaining him to gravestones out there mm-hmm. so he won't come back and hurt people. Everybody knows who he is. When Jesus heals him, he begs, it says, both in Matthew and in Luke, it tells the story the same way. He begs to go with Jesus on his trip. Mm -hmm. It's the one guy that I know of that Jesus says, no, Mm -hmm. I need you to stay here and go to your people and tell them what happened and of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that fits so much. Kevin, where you're at, is it's like, no, I need you to tell people Mm -hmm. how you were healed and where you are and what's real, not, because nobody was looking at this dude thinking, oh, that's so pretty and what a a special, sweet little story of how he came to the altar and get, no, no, he went, he went hard Mm -hmm. and he was hurt, he was hit hard by darkness. And so when he was, I think there are people like you, Kevin, there are people like this conversation where we're sending this out to people where we're supposed to, you're supposed to say, this is real. I I, I want to address something that you said earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I hear the attic out there going, uh, when, when you say, okay, but did they want to get well yeah I hear I hear the attic out there already saying I want to get well I wanted to but they've said that ten times Uh okay I want to address that oh hit me because um, it's important Um, Dave Mustaine uh, he's leader he's lead uh, front man for Megadeth okay Okay. not exactly a Christian group he his his drug of choice is Jack Daniels. It's alcohol. Alcohol is the one drug we we don't hardly ever talk about. No. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, but so he had to get he had to get clean. You know, his managers were telling him, "Look, you won't survive another tour with this band. You will die on the road." You know, yeah. and so he was going to he wasn't going to. Uh, you know, these free clinics where, you know, you're uh, eating jailhouse food. And, and, I mean, he was going to, like, the Betty Ford Clinic. Yeah. You drop $100,000 or so, you know, to, to get clean. Okay. He went 15 times. 15 mm-hmm. times Dave went to different uh, rehabs to get clean. Never worked one time. We're talking about when you're investing seventy-five thousand, hundred grand, 
You're serious. You're serious. You're pretty serious mm -hmm. about wanting yeah. to get clean. So long story short, Dave finds Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Dave runs into him in the most inconvenient ways. And uh, he's in a band where millions of kids know his name. You know? Yeah. And everybody's expecting him to do Hey man, Megadeth will make it without you, you know. Uh, and he starts to learn to give his life to Christ, you know. And he goes back to a rehab one time, but this time with a Bible with Jesus, and Jesus in with his heart. Jesus. with a, mm -hmm. with with the Savior. Yes, and he got clean. Yeah, and he's been clean ever since. Now he preaches, you know. He's got hair down to his belt, but. Uh, I think it looks good myself. I yeah. mean, you know, um, I, if I could still do it, I'd do it. Yeah. But, um, and, uh, but, so he was that guy who who would have answered the question, yes, I want, I want, but where's the hope for me? Yeah. Sometimes they have no hope. Sometimes in order for them to honestly go, okay, I want to get free and I'm in this, I'm in it, I'm in it, man. We got to give them some hope. Mm -hmm. We got to give them a reason to believe you can actually change. Yeah. You can actually, you, you may not be able to do it on your own. That's okay because I couldn't either. Yeah. You know, I'd like to say I was the man, man. I was the man when it come to getting clean. Yeah. But I wasn't. You know, um, it took me and Jesus. And as Johnny Cash said, and I came to believe in a power much greater. Than yeah. I, I, you know what? And, and now you ask me what I'm doing now. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I'm doing now. It's huge. Now that I'm, I'm not pastoring, I have some actual time on my hands. Mm -hmm. I have old friends calling me up going, man, I'm hurting, dude. Mm -hmm. yeah. I am hurting. You know, and they know my story now. Everybody, everybody that is remotely, remotely related to me knows my story. I stood up in a gymnasium with 500 people there, all the prominent members of our town, senator, the whole bit, and I told my story. Everybody knows it, okay? So now, these people, these friends of mine, because uh, I have friends uh, that, um, you know, Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. Mm -hmm. We forgot that. Yeah. Mm. We forgot what it means oh, to be a friend boy. of sinners. Great you know, point. and what one of the things that's happened to me, you know, uh, is I've become a friend of sinners. I told my church one time, uh, we were vision casting. They want to know, you know, if you could create the perfect church in your mind and in your heart, what would that church be? Like, what would it look like? You know, people are like, oh, man, I'd have this crazy praise team, you know, and I'd, I'd have all these different ministries that were rocking, you know, and when it got around to me, they said, well, what's your vision? I said, oh, that's easy, man. I want a parking lot full of uh, cigarette butts. Yeah. And they, they, they were they were like, what? And pick up trucks with beer cans in the bag. Yeah. I, I want a parking lot full. And, and you know what? I got that. Before I retired as a pastor and I come full circle with this whole mess, and I come out healed, I actually had addicts showing up for church, smoking cigarettes five minutes before 
praise and worship, you know, yeah. getting that last pop in. I love how they spend. <laughs> They're getting that last pop in. We put a cigarette thing out there for them. Please. Be yeah. You know, yeah. because they had to have it, you know, you know, and <laughs> bless God, we were the only church in part. I'm sure there were people doing it. Have you seen Cooley's church, man? Yeah. Them guys are freaks. I want freaks. Yeah. You know, if I ever pastor a church again, I will never, ever, ever settle for the norm. If it's not got freaks involved in some way, I want normal people too. I'm cool with normal people. I think they're nerds, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, I like them. No, I you know, just I, I like I them. I hear you. Yeah. We need those. Yeah. We need that we melting need pot. My, my dad's a normal person. We need person. that melting pot. My dad's a normal person. And you know what? I don't know a more godly man in all yeah. of my days than my dad. You know, my mom and dad are the epitome of godliness and holiness. And, and we need that. We need that melting pot. Yeah. Yep. We need our kids to be able to look over and go, that's possible. Yeah, that's there. That's, that's possible. What, that's what I want. I could do that. Yep. But we also need our kids to be able to have uh, gone down a hole and know, I also know those two guys who got out of the hole. We need a couple pastors with uh, full sleeve tattoos. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, you know, and we need grandmas that know how to love. You know, in the Bible, it was the uh, grandmas loving on the young ladies. It was the grandpas loving on the young men, teaching them how to be warriors. And instead of the pastor doing all of that. Yeah. Are, are you guys familiar with the song Gratitude? Have you, have you heard that? <laughs> it's the guy who sings it has dreadlocks down to the, his waist, sleeve, you know, full sleeve tattoos. And when he sings, man, my heart melts, you know, because this I, I know this dude's been through it. I know he has. And he sings about just gratitude to the Lord. He, it's it's very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Hey, um, Kevin, thank you for coming in and talking to us. Thanks yeah. for before we Before we shut her down, is there anything that you think we should have said before we got out of here? No, I really don't. All, All right. right. I mean, I'm going to think of something five minutes oh, down sure the road. Absolutely. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's when we always have our best thoughts is when we're done. <laughs> but, guys, thank you for joining us thank for the guys. conversation. Um, thank you, bud. We, please comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, ask questions. We want, to, we want to be a part of what you're doing each week. Um, if you've made it all the way to the end, will you get a gold star? Um, and uh, please share. Uh, and follow so that others know uh, what's going on and that we're here to have a real conversation. Love you guys. See you. Bye.